0: Well, episode 12, episode 11 was kind of choppy and, and uh, like I said at the end or towards the end, I was having a rough time that week. Like circumstances haven't changed, but you learn to cope. You learn to, to deal with, not just cope, but to deal with it. Either that or you, you plunge into depression, which apparently right now there's a lot of people suffering with depression. Now having sadness is one thing, uh, feelings of being depressed are another, but when I say they're, they're in depression, it's a deep, it's a deep thing. It's more than just, uh, I feel sad, you know, and the problem is we tend to want to dwell on things and it's good to examine, but not always good to dwell. I want to talk about the, uh, some some stuff that happened in my childhood before I came to Canada before I ever took LSD. My mom was uh, I, I grew up in like until I was eleven in Birmingham, Alabama. I was born there and lived there in the uh, in the sixties. It was uh, tumultuous. It was a tumultuous time in the South. My mom marched with uh, Martin Luther King. She, she marched in the uh, in the Selma march. She. Uh, she knew Martin Luther King, though how well I, don't, I wouldn't be able to say the same as Jesse Jackson and Ralph Abernathy and a lot of those guys that were, you know, Jackson was just a, a young man, maybe, uh, you know, maybe just learning the ropes from MLK. And I don't think he learned very well, <laughs> honestly, uh, but Ralph Abernathy was probably more of a men- mentor to, to uh, Martin Luther King. Um, they were both, all three of them, but they, those, the first, the primary two, Ralph Abernathy and Martin Luther King, were both uh, Baptist ministers. And uh, my beliefs from reading their writings and, and history about them and listening to speeches from uh, Martin Luther King is that this man understood Christianity. He understood what it was about, um, more so than most. A lot of people wear the label of Christian, but They don't really carry it. Anyway, my mom followed, uh, believed in the equality of the races. Uh, She fought for her whole life um, to some degree or another. According to her, even when she was a teenager, she stood up for the rights of the black um, population of Birmingham, Alabama. I don't know if you saw the movie The Help, but that, that was the culture that I was raised in. I had a maid. My mom had a maid. When I was nine, my mom worked to get me and my brother uh, Steve into uh, a camp up in Vermont called the Farm and Wilderness camp summer camps They were run by a Quaker man an idealistic Quaker uh, fellow that uh, he bought a he bought a uh, a lake up in Vermont he bought the whole property that surrounded the lake and he established uh, three camps um, he he had a what he called a Indian camp or a Native camp, um, where the the young men would come and uh, learn uh, live as First Nations or as as he perceived First Nations lived, uh, learn to forage and and. Uh, Stuff like that. I didn't go to that camp. My brother Steve went to that camp. He could talk better to about what that one was. the The camp that I went to was was a uh, pioneers camp. So it was a it was a farm. We learned farming and uh, and you know ranching and whatever that kind of stuff. It was really basically farming and survival you know, survival techniques, like if you got lost in the woods, which is probably the same kind of stuff that Steve was learning, but they were wearing loincloths and living in teepees, and we were in camp. We were in cabins. Steve learned beadwork. I learned wood burning or whatever, you know, whatever it was. Anyway, it was, uh we had to, uh my mom ended up getting um, a grant for both of us to go. I think Steve went in 66. I think he went three years. I only went two, 67 and sixty eight. Um, in sixty seven, when when we went up there, part of the way my mom found out about this camp was from Ralph Abernathy. Um, uh, he had sent; he was sending his son, who I think his name was Ralph too, to the camp. And Ralph Ralph uh, Junior was was my age, and, and so we both in nineteen sixty seven we were both at the camp. And then in '68, uh, when when it was time to go back to the camp, Abernathy's son wasn't didn't come that year because that was uh, that was the year '68 was the year that Martin Luther King was assassinated. Okay, so in it was earlier in that then in, the, in the April or May, like April I think he was assassinated in April of 1968. Um, so I mean that was great sadness for tons of people and still to this day we we still we still have a sadness about the death of uh, a man who lived and preached peace now he was by no means a perfect man and we, we can get into that maybe a little later too because none of us are none of us reach that perfection at these camps anyway at these camps like i said we learned i learned farming and survival techniques uh, and every year we would grow uh grow our own food and at the end of the year we would have a banquet and uh so it was uh i think it was it was a month it might have been a 6 week long camp it was long it wasn't just a couple of weeks if, if i remember correctly because we actually grew stuff and in the fall at the end we had a big banquet and like both years that i went there was there was this heavy our huge amount of uh, corn on the cob like basically that's what we ate at the banquet it was corn on the cob just as much as you could eat fresh picked corn on the cob slathered in butter and salt and and we made our own uh, root beer there and we made our own mountain dew and the mountain dew was really good like way different than and the root beer they were both way different than the stuff you buy we made it from well it wasn't a kit we made it from scratch i don't remember what was in mountain our mountain dew uh, but it was yummy. <laughs> Both of those were yummy. They were good. And so th- there was this big bonfire, and every year they they f- tried to outdo the year before in the way that they started the, the bonfire. And the first year, it was a series of burning arrows were shot into this huge bonfire, which was pretty impressive. But the second year, 68, that bonfire was a cable. There was a cable s- strung up, and, and there was a... Uh, a a, a doghouse built with uh, an effigy of Snoopy the dog on it and the, they lit the back and it, <laughs> they lit the back of the doghouse on fire and it came down into the 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 pile of rubbish and uh it you know it was probably smothered in gasoline because as soon as it hit our diesel or something as soon as it hit the uh the fire the whole thing the 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 bonfire rubbish, it the whole thing burst into fire. It was kind of funny. Snoopy's doghouse on fire. Anyway, another thing that happened in sixty eight, which was kinda of bizarre, and I should have looked this up, but I think it was sixty eight or sixty seven when uh Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Cub band came out and there's a part in that where where, you know, he's there there's a like a circus caller going. Um describing what what's going to happen in sergeant with sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band and then all of a sudden there's and let me introduce to you the one and only billy shears sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band I, in camp in 68 there was a young guy my age whose name was billy shears <laughs> i remember clearly cuz he got razed a bit about it cuz i the album was either You know, within a year had come out. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, it was kind of funny. And another thing I remember about Billy Shears is on one of our hikes, uh, one of the hikes that we had through the woods. um, This uh, Billy Shears, he we were walking across a log, and he was, I think, the first person to step on this log, or he fell off the log. Anyway, inside the log was a bee's nest, and. Like he went through the bees nest and the bees just swarmed out and totally attacked him. It wrecked our hike. It wrecked his probably the rest of his summer. I don't remember that. But um, he was sent home uh, with multiple bee stings. And I, I I don't remember if he had a, a serious, uh, you know, allergic reaction or not, but but whatever. So that was interesting. That was an interesting thing. And to talk about my my mom's um, belief system a little bit at that time, she, it created issue. It created uh, difficulties for us at times. Um, She was a member of the uh, Unitarian Church. Uh, At that time, it was just called the Unitarian Church. Now they call it the Unitarian Universalist, or something like that. They were Universalist then. Um, you know, they believed basically all religions were the same, and they all had the same, you know, message or whatever. They all stood on equal ground. Um, hence universal. You know, you can check it out if you want. You may already have checked it out and have formed an opinion. Um, but anyway, I, I, you know. I didn't know at that time, but later, after I became a Christian, I began to understand uh, quite critically um, the fallacy in that. I mean, it can't can't be true. First of all, the leaders of all the religions, they all, all like, that's one of the things that Christianity gets lambasted with, exclusivity all the time. You know, you're exclusive. Well, they're all exclusive. Every single religion faith in the world has exclusive uh, faith claims or whatever and so then we enter into post-modernity which you know i don't want to go too deeply in that maybe i'll run another um podcast just for talking about that kind of stuff like i've thought about i think i mentioned it last time too but um there is one thing i i wanted to to point out about who Jesus was and how getting to know him at an early age and getting to to you know interface with with him without preconceived ideas uh, probably at the beginning of the end of the the country the US being a Christian nation so it was be, the beginning of the end of that i haven't read any kind of bible stuff at all yet but i want to i want to read something i've got it on my computer Um over here it says uh it's um Luke 12, which you should read the whole chapter if you have the intestinal fortitude to do so. Uh, But I just want to read from 49 to 53. And it's, uh, Jesus says he didn't come to the earth to bring peace. Like that's one of the things, I want to tell you that he did bring peace, he does bring peace, but that wasn't the primary mission at his first coming. That wasn't why he came he said he said in uh, in this passage i came to cast fire on the earth and i would that it were already kindled i have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished so here's jesus talking about what he's come to do do you think that i have come to give peace on earth question mark no i tell you but rather division from now on in the house where five where there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father and mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and sisters and brothers and whatever I had. I just kept going after that because that's the fact. Like even families, never mind the division we see in the world in our own country, in, in our own city, in our own province, in our own continent, in our own, uh, the Western world, and then the, the rest of the world. Never mind those divisions. It's back to subsidiarity again, back to the, the smallest of governments, our families. There's division in our families. And it wasn't, it's because, uh, like the division I'm talking about is strictly because of this belief in Christ. So either, either you believe he is who he said he is, it's either liar, lunatic, or God. That's what C.S. Lewis said. It's liar, lunatic, or God. You you believe it, or you don't. That's the way it comes down to. That. I you know if you do think to go and read that um, passage, Luke twelve forty nine to fifty three. Continue on reading uh, for fifty four to fifty six because it's it's pertinent to our age to our time as well. Um, the thing is. Um, when I said Jesus didn't come to bring peace, uh, he does bring peace, uh, but that's not that wasn't why he came. He came to to cast a fire of judgment on the earth. Um, so that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the judgment. Now we all we all like I was talking about judgment last time, and I got a lot of sympathy stuff, you know. And I, I thank you. I appreciate the sympathy. Um, and it's encouraging to know that people are listening and watching and and uh, and want to uh, encourage me. That I I thank you so much for that, um, and I, I, it breeds a strong sense of affection. Like the people that reached out to me, I feel affectionately uh, drawn to you now. So thank you. <laughs> but there there is something else I wanted to quote from C.S. Lewis, and that was it came out of. Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, let see if I can read it. I wrote it in pencil, which probably wasn't the best idea. Um, so the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mr. Beaver, uh, when he's talking about Aslan. Now Aslan in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Aslan is a, a, proto- a prototype, a stereotype of, of Jesus okay the son of god the lion you know like and and the way that he's presented in in the chronicles of Narnia is really cool like c.s lewis does a great job but there's one point when i think it was lucy he was talking to lucy and he said and she says is is he safe is aslan safe and mr beaver says who said anything about safe of course he isn't safe but he's good and that's that's where we draw that's where we draw this line this diff this We differentiate between uh, judgment and fear and mercy. It gets complicated. Again, I don't know if I have enough time to go into it. But the fact of the matter is, nobody else, no other spiritual leader... Uh, of any of the main religions of of the, the the world's biggest and most predominant religions none of them ever came and said hey i'm god i'm the son of god i've come to save you it, you need to look at me they all came and did something different than that they came and said i'm not the one i only point the way where i found this uh, tablet or i whatever it is however it is none of them live up to the claims of Jesus. And that's part of the reason why he's so hated. And yet part of the reason why we, even those who are from other faiths are drawn to him, there's a difference about what he says and who he says he is. It's a different story completely. If you read the Old Testament compared to just about, we all long for judgment. I spoke about judgment last time in mercy and it got a little cloudy what I was saying. And I'd love to clear that up. It's not... I don't think I have time right now to do that, but maybe. The fact of the matter is, is we all long for justice. We long for justice, and without judgment, there is no justice. So, we talk about love, love, love. We crave justice. I mean, what's happening in 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 the U.S.? Black Lives Matter. There's a a desire for justice. There's this craving for justice. Uh, or Hamas and, and Israel, calling for justice, and the fact is that there is a judgment. There has to be a judgment. And this is this is the thing that another thing that you know Christians get burned for. They get slagged for. You know this believing in a judgment. How can a how can a loving God judge? Well, he has to. If there's no judgment, then what hope is there? You don't have any hope. the, the world has no hope. If there's no judgment, there's no way for justice. So if there is judgment, what happens then? Well, then, if there is judgment, then there's no hope for me. I know that I don't live up to my own standards, never mind other people's standards. That's what I was talking about last time when I said I'm not a good father, I'm not a good husband, I'm not a good friend. Like all In my life, there's times where I'm a good father, I'm a good friend, and I'm a good husband but there's times when I'm not and one time one time of not being all that I need to be in any of those roles judgment is required judgment is required for justice to take place that's that is the point so basically here jesus is saying i didn't come to bring peace he does bring peace when you when you find out who he is, when you discover who he is and enter into a relationship with him, that's when the peace comes. And it's not, the exclusivity doesn't, it's not a catalyst for arrogance. Because of what I just said, I'm, I require that I be judged. So this, this mercy thing, this is when I said last time, someone has to pay, that's why Jesus came. That was the fire to cast judgment, to, to bring fire upon the earth. That's what fire in the Old Testament if you read it and even in the New Testament when they talk about fire it's for purification it's for uh, it, it's for uh, um, cleansing it's for it's for judgment it's a it's a it's for judgment it signifies ju- judgment okay so when you understand these things it has to affect you okay so back to that thing I said last time which I should probably say every time if there's anything, and what I say and it's not me it's it's the Holy Spirit that's pulling you drawing you tugging on you I said piercing you last time if there's anything that rings true in this then you need to look you need to look at it you need to examine it you need to put aside any presuppositions you have about what Christianity is what Jesus taught what church churches teach what anybody teaches like there's good stuff in the churches I'm not slag in the churches you know put a bunch of imperfect people together and you're gonna have back to what I talked about being in grade uh grade seven all the 13 year olds all together locked up in a room (laughs) you know like you got the same thing in churches you got the same thing in communities you got the same thing so some way somehow you got to find a way to live and exist in peace in that peace and it's an inner peace you have to have it on the inside Because there is going to be no outer peace. We can call peace, peace, peace. We can come up with solutions like socialism or Marxism or uh, capitalism or whatever. Those things are, those are ideas and they have some basis in truth maybe. and, And they have some positive things going for them. But they're not the truth. There's one the truth according to Jesus. And either he's a liar or a lunatic or he's God. Because he said he was God, so that either either he's a liar because he said he was God, or he's just playing crazy, you know. Like uh, uh, what was that guy Jones? Jonestown. Uh, he said he was Christ returned. Like that's not the world's major religions. That's what happens to people who claim to be God. They go crazy. They're lunatics. Jesus changed the world he changed i talked about christendom he changed the world it, so if if he changed the world then we're either we must all be lunatics if he's a lunatic because we all bought into it i mean there's so many critical thinking arguments to to go through here i i really like if you have any questions you want to talk to me about into this stuff please contact them i'm anxious to talk about it anyway I guess that's it. I don't know how much time I spent here, probably more than 15 minutes. And uh, I'm going to do a song. And again, I don't know which one. It will be an original. Uh, So that's number 12. Number 13 is next. And I will share more with you next time. Again, thank you. Until next time.
1: Oh